for walking me through those times, walking me despite my failures, shadowing me during the nighttime seasons, being good even when things weren't good on the outside. You've been great and good and gracious to us today. Lord, how, how much we have to praise you for and thank you for how good and gracious and merciful you've been to us today. Thank you, Lord, that this morning I get to stand in a room full of people and with a dozens and dozens who are watching on live stream today. Lord, we don't just sing words on a screen. We sing our story. We sing your story in us. And Lord, we praise you and thank you today for your goodness, your graciousness, your faithfulness to us. You've been, you've been so good. And we love you today. And we praise you today. One more time, will you put your hands together and give Jesus praise? He's worthy of our worship today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you're watching from live stream today, we want to welcome you in. Uh, welcome home. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, so many of our church family, especially our seniors, are, are out just being safe in, in this uh, season. And uh, we're glad that we can still connect with you. It's great to see uh, a lot of people back this morning in the first service and in this service who've, uh, who've been affected with, with COVID and with sickness. And uh, we've missed you if you've been gone, and we're glad to see you back. And I think for the most part right now, our, our congregation is well. And so I praise the Lord for that. And, uh, and glad that you're here with us this morning. Well, this weekend has been a great weekend in the life of our church. We have had our fourth annual marriage conference here Friday night and, uh, and last night. And uh, we just had a tremendous time of just equipping uh, couples for, for marriage, for their, for their families and their lives. And, and God just really has done a great work here as we've been together. And all weekend long, we've had the, the opportunity and the honor to have uh, some folks who are very close friends of, of ours, uh, Dwayne and Donna Light, with us to pour into our, uh, our, our couples this weekend. And uh, he's going to be uh, speaking this morning. And, uh, and so I just want to tell you a little bit about Dwayne and Donna. They are, they're from North Georgia, so they are Georgia folks, okay? He's a Georgia Bulldogs fan. Go Dogs. Um, and uh, the only bad thing, only conflict we have, he's a Braves fan. The only conflict we have is, is in the NFL. You know, when the Panthers, my team, and the, and the Falcons, his team. But we both enjoy equal misery because they're both terrible. <laughs> and they're both at home today. I had a Facebook memory that gave me hope. It came up today. Five years ago today, the Panthers were in the Super Bowl. So, you know, uh, anyway, the Lord's walking me through the valley right now of, <laughs> of, of, of that, as, as the, are the Falcons fans as well. Uh, but Dwayne and Donna have served in ministry for uh, about 30 years now, nearly. They've served in North Georgia. We met when they moved to uh, Statesboro to be the youth pastors at the Statesboro Church of God, and they've got some of their uh, some of their longtime youth here with us this morning. We're so <laughs> glad to have you guys with us. And uh, and so uh, then the Lord called him to do what I think, other than being a missionary on the mission field, is probably one of the most challenging things to do in ministry, and that's to plan a church in America, and, and he planted a church right outside of Atlanta, and I've told him, why did you do that? I mean, they've already got Louis Giglio, they already got uh, Andy Stanley, but then they needed Dwayne Light to come in there and take care of business on, on that uh, southeast side. Is that right? Southeast or east side of Atlanta, whatever it is, you can correct all that. But, uh, but anyway, 
longtime friends of ours, and uh, I just want to say this. Um, the Lord has, I, I never had a, a blood brother. Uh, I have a sister, but I, ne- I never had a blood brother. But in Dwayne, the Lord blessed me w- with a brother. And he is my brother in so many ways. He is one of my best friends um, and uh, has been a, such a blessing to me. As I shared the other night, there have been times when I have been, like we were just saying, on the mountain, and I've called him to share those mountain experiences. And some of the lowest valleys I've ever been through, he's been one of those people that I've called. And, uh, and he's, he's been there for me. And above all that, he is a great husband, an excellent dad. Now he's becoming a great grandfather, and I'm sure he'll talk about his granddaughter. You know, he's got to talk about that little girl, you know. Um, but um, anyway, I love him, and he loves the Lord more than anything else. He is in love with Jesus and has a passion for people. So will you give Dwayne a big hand as he comes this morning? Okay, I, I do have to clarify one thing. I am not a great grandfather. I am an exceptional grandfather, but I'm not a great grandfather. Man, I just want to just stop and just tell you how cool it's been to just worship with you guys today. It was awesome to just worship with y'all. I was going to tell you a funny little Les Woodridge story, but we'll save that for the foyer. Is that okay? No, I have to tell it now. Okay, since you said so. Les and I were youth pastors together, and we did this winter retreat every year. It's called Winterfest. Kevin and Lisa had been there. Some of y'all might have been a part of that event, and it was an awesome time. I had a great idea this one particular year to, we would rent the largest laser tag uh, go-kart track and video arcade for Saturday night after the service, which if you're part of Winterfest, that service ends at about midnight, so we were going to be there from about 12.30 in the morning till 3. It was a great idea. Not. <laughs> Not a great idea. Uh, so I, I arrived a little bit after Les's group, and so I, I, I'm watching him, uh, and he doesn't know I'm there yet, which presented me with a phenomenal opportunity. You know when you're watching television and somebody is making a moral choice and there's an angel that pops up on one shoulder and a devil that pops up on the other shoulder? You know what I'm talking about? Well, the angel popped up and said, he's having a difficult moment because he's trying to corral all of these teenagers and it's like herding cats. You know what that's like, right? And, uh, and the angel said, just give him a few minutes. Let him, you know, get his job done, and then you can greet him with a holy kiss or something. I don't know. (laughs) And then (laughs) the devil popped up on this other shoulder, and he said, why don't you sneak up behind him? Get your finger just as wet as you can (laughs) and stick it in his ear. What's that called? You tell me. Wet willy. Anybody want to guess which voice I listened to? <laughs> so I snuck up behind him, got it just as wet as I could. I know it's gross. I shouldn't say that in church, should I? Stuck it in his ear. And y'all listen, when I die, here's what I know. That at one point in my life, I stared evil face to face. <laughs> there he was. He spun around, and I thought... This is it. Our friendship is ending right now because he's fixing to punch me in the face. And he didn't. He, he thought at first it was probably a, 
a teenage boy that had done it, and he realized it was me, and he was like, hey, man, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's like, no, it's not. You are not glad to see me at this moment. Here we go. Hey, it's, uh, it's been awesome to worship with you guys. I love to be in a church that knows how to worship. That's what we are at my church, and, and you guys are. So just I'm just curious, where's my, like, radical worshipers in the room? Who's here? Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I was, I was watching this team. I was watching Cody. He's so cool. <laughs> and I, I, he's strumming his guitar, and I saw him go. <laughs> I was like, that's just so stinking cool. <laughs> Makes me sick. So I'm going to tell you something, son. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> Stuff's got a shelf life. <laughs> There'll come a point when all your jeans are skinny jeans, if you know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter anymore. When, uh, when Les invited me to come, uh, you know, the temptation, whenever you travel to someone else's church to preach, the temptation is always, just let me, let me go through my files and find that you know, that humdinger, one's going to get everybody excited and bless God. I didn't do that today because I was putting together a sermon series for my church and you popped into my heart. See, I, I love you. How can you love me? You don't know me. I love you because I love your pastor. And he and I think a lot alike. And I have a, just this, inkling from the Holy Spirit that you need what I'm going to share with you today. In fact, I, it's, it's so weird. I, Les worried me when he started quoting that song because uh, I, I want to share a little piece of that song. Oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? And I thought, man, that's beautiful. And I'm worshiping the Lord. Can I tell you what? God dropped in my heart. I'm, oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide, Lord? And it was as if the Spirit of the Lord said, well, son, what if the mountain you had to climb was your own pride? What if the mountain you had to climb was your own sin, your own rebellion? So my question to you is, this morning as we gather in the house of God, if the mountain that you had to climb to experience the face of God, what if it was you? Are you willing to take that step? Are you willing to walk the path that leads you to the throne of God, that leads you to the life that He has called for you, that He's spoken to you before the foundations of the world, even if it's you? We're going to talk about growth today. When I preach, I preach one course meals. I like to give you one nugget so you can take home and chew on it. Well, you're not getting that today. I'm just going to tell you. You're getting a buffet. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to take in what you take in and then spit out what, what, what doesn't apply to you. But i got a funny feeling it's going to apply to you. But there's some of you guys... That can tune me out today. I'm giving you permission to tune me out. You can play on your phone. 
If your walk with God is so vibrant that you never feel like you're struggling just to stay in the game, play game. If you've never felt like giving up, you don't have to listen today. If you never fail at the same temptation over and over and over again, you can check out. But for the rest of us, if you're here and you've ever found yourself just coming to church and going through the motions, anybody but me ever done that? Just go through the motions. If you've ever been in a room full of Christians, you feel like I'm not on the same level they are. I don't have my stuff together like they've got it together. Kind of let you in a little secret, they don't have it together either. If you've ever just thought about quitting, if from time to time you say yes to the things you should say no to and no to the things you should say yes to, then I want you to lean in today. And let's break the bread of life and let's talk about what God would have us do as believers. Can we do that? I have this stupid little game that I play. And, and I guess the, the first service, they don't, they don't play games on their phone. How many play games on your phone? Yeah, see, the cool people are here. I, I said, how many of you play games on your phone? And, and like one person raised her hand. It was like a 12-year-old. I'm like, what are you people doing in the bathroom? I don't know. <laughs> it's called Golf Clash. Any golfers play? Yeah, yeah. You play Golf Clash? We're going we're gonna to talk later. It's the coolest game. It's, it really is. It's the coolest game. And... And uh, I started playing a little while ago, and there's this point in golf class where you, you, you got to make a choice. You either got to find another game, or you got to spend a lot of time, or what they really want you to do is not spend time, but spend money. They want you to buy the stuff that helps you get better. And, and so you have a choice to make in that game. Either you're going to spend a lot more time, you're going to spend some money, or you got to find something else to play. I, I, I'm afraid that that's, that's kind of like life. See, in, in your job, you're going to get to a point when you're going to either have to work harder, invest more time, invest more resources, or just get stagnant, or find something else to do. In your hobby, like I'm, I like to play golf, but I'm awful. People say, do you play golf, Dwayne? I, yes, but I really just own clubs. <laughs> uh, and I recognize that I'm not going to get any better than I am today unless I invest some more time, buy some better clubs. If I invest a little more stuff, the moment that the level of commitment required to sustain growth is more than what we're willing to invest, stagnation begins. And that is true in your walk with Christ. The moment it's going to cost you something that you're not willing to pay, growth stops. And the truth of the matter is, stagnation is one step before death. And I don't want that for you, and you don't want that for you, and your pastor doesn't want that for you. So I'm going to tell you that going to the next level, and listen, I'm, I'm a youth pastor of the 90s and the 2000s, and we always talked about going to the next level. And, and I don't really even like saying that because we talked about it, we sung about it, and nobody ever told us what the next level was. But I'm going to tell you that Regardless of where you're at in your walk with Christ, there's, a, there's another step. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Oh, because what happens when we stop? You know, they don't call it a stand with Christ. They call it a 
walk with Christ. Doesn't that denote forward progress, that we should be moving from, the scriptures say, from glory to glory? Yes, yes. Now, I, I, before I read you this passage, I do want to tell you, uh, I, I don't want to be misunderstood in any way today. I'm, I'm not talking about you earning your salvation. Uh, would you agree with me if I were to say that the work of the cross was complete? The shed blood of Christ, the broken body of Christ, was all that was required to purchase your salvation. But if he didn't want you to do something with your salvation, why would we read Paul say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? See, I believe that God has something for you and for your life. And what it isn't is for you to stay in the same place you are year after year after year, struggling year after year after year. God has something bigger for you than that. Here's the passage we're going to camp out on for most of the day here. Not most of the day. I'm going to let you go watch the game at some point. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, over these next few moments, would you just challenge us to take another step? In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Here's what I need you to know. Uh, let, let me, maybe you've been following the Lord 20, 30, 50 years. You've got another step. Maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe you're, you, you found Christ recently. You've got another step. And so here's what you need to know. Everybody has a next step. Everyone has a next step. Everyone has another step to take in your walk with Christ. And I need you to know before we go any further, I didn't come here to beat you up. You're going to think I, I am a little bit later. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here because I love you. And I challenge you. And I want you to leave challenged. Because if you're not being challenged, you're not being changed. And we pray for life change. Every Sunday, and I know Les does too, we pray that people would walk in and leave different than they walk out. Not because they heard a good sermon or a great song, but because the Spirit of God moved in our midst and challenged someone to take another step. Did something unique and powerful in their life. See, great change only happens when we are faced with intense challenges. That's what every one of those songs was about this morning. So I hope you leave challenged. Let's look at verse 5. Here we go. For this very reason. Well, let's stop there. <laughs> what reason is he talking about? Well, if you, if you read the first part of that, of that chapter, Peter starts talking about the goodness of God and how the glory of God has invaded your life. And listen, I hope that that's the case for you. He said, for this reason, make every effort, and I need you to know that you've got a part to play in your spiritual development. You can't just walk in this building and just expect God's glory to do all the work. You didn't like that, but it's the truth. You come in this building to leave changed because you've stood in the presence of God. Nobody walked in this building perfect. Nobody walked in this building put together. Nobody walked in this building without something in your life that God's trying to mold and change and form and shape into something that looks more like him. That's what he does, by the way. 
At our church, we have this phrase. We say, it's okay to not be okay. And aren't you glad, by the way? It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. See, God's got something for you, man. God's got something for you, ma'am. He's got something. He, he's got a, a place to take you to. But you might have to take a step. You've got a part in the process. Make every effort. He said, make every effort to add to your faith. And the apostle Peter made an assumption that I don't want to make. The apostle Peter made an assumption that everyone that read this letter, people of faith. And and I learned this a long time ago. I can't assume that just because someone gathers into a church building doesn't mean that they've made a commitment to their of their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I need you to I need to stop right now and just tell you if you know Jesus. I didn't ask you if you were if your name was on the roll. I didn't ask you if you remember a small group. I didn't ask you if you didn't serve somewhere. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't surrendered your life in whole to the person of Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ and the Savior that hung there, then today could be your day to say yes to Jesus. That's that's step one, by the way. That's the first, that's the foundational level. So I don't want to talk to you about growth until we talk to you about. Do you know Jesus? Oh, and if you're here today and you don't, I I don't beg people. I don't beg people for their money. I don't beg people for their time. But I'm begging you. Don't leave this building not sure of who Jesus is in your heart. Somebody that knows Jesus, just shout amen because you know I'm right. Oh, that felt good, y'all. I, t- I tell this story, and uh, I've been telling it since I was a youth pastor. It, it's a story about a, a, a baseball player. Hits a shot in the deep left field, bounces around in left field for a little while. Rounds first, rounds, first, rounds second, rounds third. All of a sudden, he's coming in for an inside-the-park home run. He slides in feet ahead of, of the throw, and not even a tag, and the umpire does nothing. There's some conversation as the opposing manager comes out and and speaks to the umpire and everybody's wondering what's going on. All of a sudden, the umpire declares the base runner out. The the other coach comes out kicking and screaming what is going on. He beat the throw by feet. What's going on? And the umpire said he's not out because he, he, he missed home plate. He's out because he didn't touch first base. And in this walk of Christ, this this growth that we're talking about, don't do all this stuff and miss first base. It's about surrendering your life to Jesus because he's good. And whatever's going on in your life, he can take the old things and make them new. He can take the dead things and make them live. Because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness Knowledge. Let's talk about goodness. What is? Are you good people? It's not a trick question. You, you feel like you, you, you good people? Yeah. I, like, I guess it depends on how we define good. I mean, uh, I guess the world says being good is following the rules or not getting caught. Maybe that's good. Well, that's really not what that goodness word means in that passage. It really points to four things points to virtue, 
It points to morality, it points to modesty, and it points to purity. Would you agree with me if I told you that our world needs more virtue? We need standards. How many know that the, the standards of goodness and morality have falling apart around us? So the world needs people who can add to their faith goodness. And I'm going to tell you that it matters. We haven't lived in a cave over the last year. We've seen a lot of crazy things happen in our world. And, and somehow we've gotten to the point where everybody hates everybody. And I don't get it. You know, we got to the point where we can't disagree with each other without hating each other. You know, I, I remember when I first voted as, as an 18-year-old that it was okay to disagree. You could have coffee and disagree with who you voted for, and you can't now. You voted for who? Well, let me get my gun. I don't, I don't get it. But I'm going to tell you what the world needs, y'all. The world needs some Jesus people who are full of the goodness of God. To, to have a, a greater agenda than who sits at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that has a greater agenda than, than all of this other nonsense that's blowing up on social media. How about, and I, oh, Lord, help me. I, I can say this because I'm leaving in a minute. I've, I've heard people say, well, I'm leaving social media. I'm leaving Facebook. I'm, not, I'm tired of it. Stop that. You know what? You need to be light in a dark world. You need to stay in there, and you need to talk about the goodness of God and the great things he's done. This is what, here's the deal. The, a virtuous life, a good life, declares the goodness of God to an unbelieving world. Hmm. Add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge is what the Bible says. <laughs> knowledge. Knowledge. This is the part, I'm just going to tell you, that in the first service it got real quiet. And, and that's okay. Uh, the first thing I want you to hear is that you can't grow if you don't have a teachable spirit. See, if, if you walk in here Sunday after Sunday knowing everything, then you're wasting your time. I can say that because they're your folks, not mine. <laughs> if you come in here Sunday after Sunday, great leaders are great learners. The day you stop learning is the day you're going to stop leading. Les and I, Pastor Les and I, I've been trying to do that all weekend. We'll give an account for the words that we say from this pulpit. Let me tell you, that's a sobering thought. I don't want to say anything up here that, that's not filtered through the filter of the Holy Spirit. I'll give an account for what I say to you. But now listen, you'll give an account for what you do with it. Now you can, you can bypass what we say Sunday to Sunday, but you'll give an account for what you do with these words. Because here's why. You are responsible for your own spiritual growth. I'm sure Les has had this conversation when people show up at the church and say, well, we just left our church, and we're coming here now because at our other church, we weren't being fed. I'll let you know a little something. It's not the church's job to feed you. There's two kinds of people in our society that, ha that can't feed themselves. Babies and people who are too sick to feed themselves. Everybody else, when you go to dinner today, they go to... 
go have lunch after church, you're going to feed yourself, aren't you? It's not his job to feed you unless you're a baby or too sick to feed yourself. What his job and my job is to lead you to the right pasture so you can feed yourself. To make sure that when you get to that pasture, there's something to eat. You got to eat. You got you to take ownership of your own, uh, of your own spiritual growth. And what's, what hurts us as pastors is when we watch you year after year and season after season ride this roller coaster of spiritual highs and spiritual lows. It's one of the hardest things about being a youth pastor because you'd go to a winter retreat and everybody loves Jesus is going to conquer the world. And then two, three months later, you, you know, they don't even come to church anymore. And then two months later, you go to youth camp, and everybody's loving Jesus and conquering the world. And now you can't get them to come to church at all. And they're riding this. And I've learned, learned something over the last few years. That's just not teenagers. And it breaks the heart of a pastor when you just won't get off of that roller coaster. Because God's got something bigger for you than that, y'all. God's got something better for you than that. It's called abundant life. Jesus said... This, there's a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundant. Get off the roller coaster. Own your own spiritual growth. Do something about it. Take the next step, and you've got to take it. You don't wait for somebody to push you. Own it. I'm a lot more angry at the second service than I was <laughs> the first service. Get off the roller coaster. And to knowledge, verse 6 says, we had self-control. <laughs> is that a myth? Self-control is a myth? I'm just going to ask you, is this a struggle for anybody? Controlling yourself? Me and this nice lady, only two in the building. Okay, a couple of you. Uh, listen, I have the most perfect wife on the planet. See, I didn't pick on her the first service, but I'm going to now. She is perfect, except for one thing, when she gets behind the wheel of a car. There's something evil. And she has this one pet peeve. It's when people, instead of using the lanes in the parking lot, cut across the lanes. She loses all control. So if somebody as perfect as my, as my wife has an issue with self-control, I bet me and you do too. I bet there's those things that pop into us that we didn't want to pop into us. And things that come out of our mouth, and you're like, ooh, that didn't sound like Jesus. Control your appetites, or they'll control you. And we talked about that a little bit during the marriage conference. But here's what I want you to understand is that self-control really is a myth. What self-control really is, is Christ control. It's when daily I surrender my life, I surrender my day to the Lordship. Do you know what Lord means? It means we listen to him and he do, we do what he says. It's, it's not just, it, it means you're in control. So we surrender our life day after day after day and, our, and self-control becomes Christ control. And to knowledge, verse 6 he says, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance. 
I, I wonder if we can take our halos off for just a minute. Anybody in the room ever just felt like quitting? Just felt like stopping? This is too hard. Well, you're in pretty good company. Because if you watch the, the Hebrew nation in the Old Testament, they, they did it all the time. I, I love reading about the, the story of the Exodus where they're coming out of Egyptian bondage. They've been there for 430 years. They watch God do this miraculous miracle at the Red Sea where they cross on dry ground and then an entire army gets drowned behind them. And then, and then they go a little further. There's no water and, and, and God takes it miraculously turns bitter water into sweet and provides everything they need. And then things get just a little difficult. And do you know what they said? We'll be okay. Everything will be fine. That's not what they said. They went, it'd be better if we died in Egypt. And I wonder if we do that as followers of Christ. We, we, we love it when, we, when Cody's slinging his hair and singing the song and all is good and we're worshiping the Lord, and then we get to work Monday, and that guy that just gets on your last nerve, where are you, God? That's what the children of Israel did. See, I think it's at that point that a lot of people decide to quit. When, when the struggles of life just seem too difficult, we forget what God has done for us in the past so maybe I would tell you that before you surrender your future to the devil, you might want to recall how good he's been to you in your past. Maybe you need to take a glance in the rearview mirror and know just how good God is. Has he, has he been good to anybody? I'm just curious. God been good to anybody? Yes. Perseverance is consistent, patient endurance. James chapter 1 says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test of time, the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And I'm just going to tell you this morning, if you're going to develop endurance, you might have to endure something. We don't, we don't like that kind of thought. We, we'd much rather God do everything for us. But he may take you through something. To get you to something. Self-control, perseverance, to, to perseverance, godliness. I had a pretty distorted view of what godliness was in my early Christian experience. I thought godliness had to do with uh, the clothes that I wore, my external appearance. When I first gave my heart to the Lord, Cody liked this. It was... Business in the front, party in the rear. I had a mullet, and it was a good one. The reason I'm married to that woman over there is because she liked to play with the curls in the back of my hair. I'm just telling you. And I had this, I had this uh, associate pastor come to me, and he said, son, you, you don't know this guy, but you do. He's that guy with, with just real slick hair. In a three-piece suit that was about, the vest was two sizes too small and the buttons pointed out like that. He said, son, now that you've given your heart to the Lord, you need to do something about that hair. I said, you need to do something about that gut. <laughs> I did not say that. <clears throat> but here's what I did say. What does the length of my hair have to do with the condition of my heart? That has nothing to do with godliness. Godliness is more about what God's done on the inside than what you, 
you're projecting on the outside. Now listen, we need to, we need to make sure that our speech and our, we present the goodness of God with, with externally. I'm not saying that at all. But go, what godliness really is is an expression of love, reverence, respect, and desire for God. That's what godliness is. And that's an internal work. That's when God takes all that's old and makes it brand new. It's not some list of man-made rules. <laughs> and to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. Is what verse 7 says. And here's where I wanted to land today. That the body of Christ should function as a family. If we were to take a poll, and I were to ask this question, have you ever been hurt by someone in a church? A lot of you would say yes. A lot of you would say yes. And there's a reason for that. Let me tell you why. Hurt people hurt people. But here's what God wants to do in this house and in my church. He wants for hurt people to become healed people. Because healed people heal people. And that's how it's supposed to look in here, y'all. That's how, and I don't know, I've just been here one weekend. I sense that here. I sense that there's, there's some very real genuine, ain't putting on no fluff for nobody people in this room. And, and, and y'all, I'm just going to tell you, that's a blessing. Because there's a lot of places you go, somebody's going to put on an air like, I'm so holy. I started to say something I would say to a youth pastor, I mean to a youth group, but I won't say it in here. I'm so holy that my breath don't stink. Okay, I cleaned it up. See, the ultimate goal, y'all, is to love like Christ. I want to I share this quote with you. It's from my favorite author. Any C.S. Lewis fans in the room? Love is not an affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. So here's, here's uh, we've been doing a study in First John at our church. You know, you come to this great realization that love isn't something that God does. Love is something that, that's who he is. God is love. And he wants to extend that love to you and to me and to those that are around us. But here's, here's, uh, here's where we've landed, y'all. We somehow have come to the idea that, that all of this and and all the stuff that we do, it's about me. It's about my happiness and making me feel good and meeting my needs. And there's a difference between being a consumer Christian and a contributing Christian. And that's how you tell when somebody gets complacent. We become consumer Christians. Can I show you what that looks like? Uh-oh. Here's what that might look like. Pulling in the parking lot at the Rinkin Church of God. And somebody is in my parking space. Are you kidding me? Everybody knows that is my parking space. Because I park way back here in the back. Walk in the front door. Oh, I guess the greeters are too busy with this new family to say hello to me. Even though I hope they know how much I tithe. I'll just walk on in. Wouldn't you know it? Somebody is sitting in my seat. 
probably them heathens that parked in my parking space. <laughs> Are they singing that song again? I told Tress I didn't like that song, and she's singing it anyway. Guess I'll worship. Guest speaker? There's a guest speaker? What does he need a guest speaker for? He doesn't work but one day a week anyway. <laughs> that happened in the first service too. <laughs> See, a consumer Christian is all about feed me. Make this about me. Can I tell you what a contributing, growing, next-level Christian looks like? You pull on the parking lot at my church. Look at all these cars. God's doing something at our church. God's on the move. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to park back here in the back and make sure I save some of these good parking spaces for some new families. Like, I'm walking in the door and these greeters are all talking to new families. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Maybe I need to volunteer to help them. <laughs> Sit down. and I don't know this song Tress is singing. I love my Jesus. So I'm going to read the words and worship Jesus. Oh, man. We're having a guest speaker. Lord, he sure is funny looking. Would you anoint and bless him? and God, help us to, to understand more about who you are and the way you do things. See the difference. See the difference. Uh, see, a, a consumer Christian walks in going, feed me, feed me, feed me. A contributing Christian, a next level Christian walks in going, who needs to be fed? Oh, can I tell you, you get a handful of folks like that, this county will never be the same. So maybe y'all, maybe y'all, instead of walking in as critics and leaving complaining, we ought to walk in as worship leaders and leave as missionaries. Maybe. Yes. One person. All right. I'm going to give you five next steps real quickly, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. The first thing I'm just going to implore you to do if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to touch first base. And here's what that looks like. You recognize that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived 33 years. That he was indeed the son of God. That he's divinity in the flesh. And that he lived for 33 years and he taught and he healed and he blessed and he fed. And when he was 33 years old, he suffered, bled, and died on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood and had his body broken for your sins and for mine. And the coolest part is because Jesus is alive, he couldn't stay dead. So three days later, he rose from the grave. And he is alive yet today, praying for you. And what touching first base looks like is you surrender that life, that, that life that you have to the Lord Jesus. God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me. I want to I live the rest of my life following you, chasing after you day after day. If you're hiding in the mountain, I'm going to climb the mountain. 
That's, that's step one. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is to be intentional about your own spiritual growth. Yeah, be intentional. Maybe, maybe wake up in the morning and before you check Facebook, you open your Bible. Maybe before you, do, before you talk to anybody else on the planet, you talk to Jesus. Maybe, maybe instead of coming to church as a consumer, you find a place where you can contribute. Take charge, take ownership of your own spiritual development. The third one is attack unhealthy appetites. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You've got them and so do I. You've got an enemy and so do I. And he'd do all he can to distract you and cause you to trip as you follow Christ. So when something comes into your, your field of vision that doesn't look like Jesus, attack it. That's not for me. Fourth thing I want you to grab onto, next step is to make godliness your focus. And here's what I'm learning, y'all. And, and listen, just because we stand up here and preach the gospel doesn't mean that God's not still molding us and shaping us and forming us, because he is. And here's what I'm learning. I can't be godly if I make everything about me. So my challenge and your challenge is to live a life that throws all the credit, all the glory on the king of the universe. Galatians chapter 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, listen, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't own a life anymore. It's his. And then lastly, be a conduit of God's love experience the love of God for yourself and then make it your personal life's challenge to spread it everywhere you go. You're going to go have lunch here in just a little while. And there's going to be a, a waitress that's going to be struggling. And she wonders why all these people that supposedly love Jesus walk into her restaurant and treat her like garbage. What if you went out of your way to be a conduit of God's love to that young lady? What if that person that you're going to see tomorrow morning in your job that gets on your nerves, what if you went out of your way to be a conduit of God's love? What if when you come in next Sunday morning and somebody's sitting in your seat parked in your parking space, if you made a beeline to them and said, man, we're so glad you're here. Welcome home. You know what that sounds like to me? Revival. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you today. And because I, I'm confident that you're going to be okay with this, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going, to, we're going to finish this service in worship. Is that okay with everybody? But here's who I want to pray for. 
if you've ever found yourself showing up to church and just going through the motions. Maybe that's you. That, that's describing how you feel today. Just, just going through the motions. I'm not feeling it. Maybe you need to take a step. Maybe you walked into this, into this room today and, and this was your thought. I'm giving God one more chance. I'm giving my marriage one more chance. I'm giving life one more chance. I'm going to implore you this morning to take another step. Maybe from time to time, you've gotten into the process of saying no to things you should be saying yes to and yes to things you should be saying no to. Maybe you're saying yes to sin when you should be saying no. Maybe you're saying no when God's calling you to ministry, God's calling you to service, God's calling you to to share your faith, God's calling you to be a worshiper, God's calling you to do a work in his kingdom, and you've just said no. Maybe today you need to say yes. In fact, that might be the catalyst for your spiritual growth, saying yes to some things God's been calling you to do, and you've been saying no. You wonder why you feel stagnant? You wonder why you feel stale? I'm just learning in my own life, saying no to God's a bad idea. So if that's you, here's what I want you to do. Just, if you just say, Dwayne, I, I know I need to take another step. I know I need to grow. And I want you to pray for me, Dwayne. I just want you to kind of just wave your hand at me. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Father, in Jesus' name. We are in awe of your presence. You're so good to us. And God, we want to surrender our lives. We want to own this walk. God, we've talked about and we've sung about today difficult times, difficult moments, difficult times in our life when, Lord, we seem like we're climbing a mountain, going through a valley. God, your word never tells us that we'll never have to face difficult times. It does share with us. It does tell us. It does implore us that we'll never have to go through those valleys alone. So, God, I want you to bless these in this room today. Bless each other. I hear, I, I hear your thoughts right now. Man, that might work for some people. That ain't going to work for me. I, I don't have the strength to take another step. I don't have the strength to go to another level. <laughs> You're in the right place, y'all. Because none of us do. So you're going to just say these words to the Lord. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. How often? of this moment, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Lord, if you'll help me, I'll take a step. If you'll help me from this point forward, I'll live the rest of my life growing closer and closer to Jesus.
getting off the roller coaster today. Not saying there's not going to be difficult moments. Not saying there's not going to be difficult days. But you are planting your feet on a solid rock. And that rock has a name. And his name is Jesus. Dwayne, you don't know how, how bad my sin is. You don't know how far I've fallen. You don't know how deep it goes. Listen, where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, is where. Come on, declare this. And where you are, Lord, I. with your presence you're here on business God I sense in my heart and, and I don't know who you are man you're struggling and I want you to know that you serve a God who is acquainted with your suffering who's acquainted with the challenge that you find yourself in this morning his desire for you is blessing and peace and goodness and abundance and I just want you to hear the word of the Lord if you'll seek him first his righteousness all the other things just, just seem to work out so stop worrying about your job stop worrying about your husband Stop worrying about your, your kids. Stop worrying about your mortgage. Seek Jesus. And watch him work. Be encouraged today. Thank you, Lord. Just as a prayer. Lord, I need you. Oh, I this service with a crazy ovation of praise to our Heavenly Father. Why don't you make some noise? The Bible says clap your hands all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph.
Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Dwayne and Donna, for pouring into us this weekend. Uh, I know we're all leaving full and encouraged and challenged and convicted and ready for another week. Amen. So have a great week. We'll see you back here Wednesday night for Family Ministries Night. God bless you.